0: All right. Well, again, kind of an early reminder for Valentine's Day. I contemplated looking at this uh, subject this morning. I hope everyone picked up a bulletin. You do have, of course, the bulletin, which has the skeleton outline of the message. And then also you have the uh, insert that I have for you there. And uh, you can go ahead and start heading to Psalm excuse me, Song of Solomon it is a thrill uh, to see Megan and Jeremiah this morning and the twins, they are precious, they are awesome and uh, great to see them, all the kinfolks are so proud, they're all around right there <laughs> and they're smiling as much as the young men are and uh, those it, time has flown by. And glad to see them growing. They have grown so much since I've seen them. And uh, last time I saw them, they were up there in the NICU and got to go up there and, and uh, clean up and get to see them. And uh, that was a treat. And it always is. We've had several uh, babies that have uh, had challenges starting off. And we've seen God work. And I'm so thankful That they made their trip to church this morning, even on a rainy day. Uh, Thank y'all for coming and uh, braving the weather. And uh, before, a little bit of a trivia before we get started this morning. And uh, I want to ask that our sound guys in the back play a song and see if any of you remember this song.
1: It floats back to you. The
0: Can y'all sing along?
1: No. You something
0: okay, you can fade again. it out. All right. How many of you never heard that before in your life? Oh, Jimmy, put your hand up. Everybody, twenty-something and down. But there was hardly any hands, though. <laughs> and uh, that is, of course, a trip down memory lane. The Love Boat. And that sitcom from the 70s, I think right after that, I'll remember uh, after that, uh, Saturday nights were pretty much planned. We were going to watch that, and Fantasy Island came on right after that. And we only had one channel growing up, ABC. That was it. Somebody said, how many channels do y'all have? I said, channel nine. You have nine channels? I said, no, channel nine. That was it. That's all we had. That's all our antenna would pick up. And, of course, that's almost a thing of the past nowadays. You know, the Bible, if you could sum it up in one word, it would be that word, love. And of course, the love of God, the love that Jesus has, the love that he shown, that that he showed on the cross of Calvary. It's all about him. Jesus is seen from Genesis to Revelation. And I pray that you would, I'm to, we're going to look at love stories in the Bible this morning. And this verse, I've got it underlined in the Bible. I, I've got it, matter of fact, uh, uh, in the front of Karen's Bible that she has now. I have this verse. As I penned it, I gave her that Bible. I believe her Bible is red. And, uh. Is that verse in the front of the Bible? Yep. I remember writing it on Valentine's Day, ever how many years ago. And I pinned this verse right here to her. And for the reading of God's Word, I would ask that you would stand for just a second. The Word of God states, Many waters cannot quench love. Neither can the floods drown it. If a man would give all the substance of his house for love, it would utterly be contemned. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your love for us. Love that we do not deserve. And may we, since you love us so much, be Able To show that love To others In Jesus name Amen Thank you, you may be seated And And looking at the uh, Introduction That that worked out perfectly Fellas, thank you for helping me with that Little trip down memory lane And uh, little Theme, some have heard Some have not And I said, you know what I know, especially guys. I know, generally, generally, women are more creative than uh, than men are. So I know men. Hey, give me an idea. I got. To, I can't come up with anything. You know, we we can't get outside the box when we can't think of creativity. And so I've got uh, a book in my office that I've used before, and talking to different uh, couples. Uh, that we 're open to it sometimes i 've done marital counseling and different things and and uh, sometimes it 's a one way street sometimes it 's uh, people are open and receptive to ideas i 'd like to work on things and so there 's one book about forty unforgettable dates with your mate now i couldn 't put forty on this sheet of paper. I guess it could have went on the back, and uh, one of them either I left off or uh, It it somehow in the transfer got knocked off, but suggestions for wives at the very bottom, it was supposed to be on the bottom, and uh, I probably left it off in the the email, but it said, mandate, Uh, take your man to Bass Pro Shops, Craftsman Tools, or a gun show. And uh, it'll be happy. And, of course, notice that I put on there a description of each date. And probably somebody has already got a pen out, and everyone that says could be expensive, they've done marked all the way through all of those if it says anything about expense. Now, there's definitely low-budget dates. Now, obviously, we have a lot of uh, single people in here, and I, by single, it could be everything from uh, a widow or widower uh, to... but. You know, as you think about love, I'll think about this as we get down there. You can show love to others. You can show love to your children, your grandchildren. You can show love to other people, a Christ-like love. And so that all uh, works in all of this. So nevertheless, but I know this, I know this, that I want to encourage every marriage that's here this morning. I want to encourage everybody that is married or even contemplating marriage that you would love is about sacrifice. It's about not always getting your way. It's about giving up. Folks, truly godly love, in the Greek language in the New Testament, agape love literally just means sacrificial love. That's what it means, giving up a sacrificial love. And so I just want to encourage you It's, you know, I've seen people uh, fight and fight and fight in their marriage. I'm talking about, I'm not talking about uh, the arguing. I'm talking about somebody fighting to keep their marriage, fighting to save their marriage, fighting to do something. So, but nevertheless, no matter whether you're married or single, you can show love to others. You can show love to people you can share the love of Jesus with them, and we're going to cover some of that. We're going to see some interesting things, and so I'm not going to, this is for you. This is, I'm not going to take the time to read it, but it's some some good ideas here, and there's a whole lot of more, a whole lot more ideas to get untongued tied that you and I can talk about, but just let's just take off in our In a time when our world is confused with lust, there's a desperate need for a standard and an example I love listen I miss listening to Paul Harvey a lot of times on Paul Harvey, he would have a great way to say this couple has enjoyed youthful bliss for seventy years and he'll all, he'll always have somebody and he would always- and it got to where there were so many people being married for fifty years, he started hitting the seventies and seventy five years and and, and on up. And it's amazing that people will be blessed with that long of a marriage. That's awesome. Not too many today. It's just, it's our culture. And I think a lot of times, and I've seen it even in uh, relationships in my own family, uh, marriages will start off on the wrong foot. And they'll start off because, man, we we just love each other. But they're, they're not in love. They're As one writer said, they're not in love. They're in heat. Okay, <laughs> they're they're just in lust, and that's all. There's but when you base a marriage just on physical attraction, just on physicality, that 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 fades away, that goes by the wayside eventually. It does. You cannot base a marriage on just physical attraction. It it won't work. The Bible even backs that up. From, I mean, the, the writer of the Song of Solomon, which is a love story. It's a love between Solomon and the Shulamite woman. And man, they were attracted to each other, but it was more than that. And some have compared this love between Solomon and the Shulamite woman to the love that Jesus has for his church and that they would, this, if a man would give all that he has, it would, there's nothing else left if you compare love to things. It's utterly condemned. It says if a man would give all the substance of his house, it would be utterly condemned. Don't sell out on love. Love is what it takes to make it. Love makes this church work. This church, I mean, when you have friction, and there will be friction, and I love the way one writer put it, when your marriage... Or your church or your home or whatever is is friction occurring there. Did you know love is like WD-40? It can make the squeaks go away. You spray a little bit of that on there and it smooths it out. Folks, there always is going to be friction. It doesn't matter in marriages and homes and businesses and churches. But you choose to love. It's a choice. And it's a choice worth fighting for. Fall in love with your spouse all over again. Quickly grab two passages. One there in the book of Ephesians. And then, of course, the other one in First Peter chapter 3. Fall in love with your spouse all over again. It is a choice. I've, I've had no telling how many people that I've talked to said, I just don't love them anymore. You can still choose to love. It is a choice. We'll read the... I've got both of them, my fingers and thumbs here now. 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 1. Likewise, you wives, be in subjection to your own husbands. That just means follow His leadership. He's not a dictator. Because He loves you so much, He's willing to lay down His life for you. Or at least He should. That should be his choice. That if any obey not in the word, they may also be won by the conversation of their wives. And this is really uh, talking about a wife married to a lost man. A wife married to a lost man. While they behold, talking to the wives, your chaste conversation. That means if you have a King James Bible, the word conversation means manner of living or manner of life. Coupled with fear, whose adorning, let it not be the outward adorning, your plaiting of your hair, the wearing of gold, and putting on of apparel, which means uh, don't try to just be attractive on the outside, try to be attractive on the inside. So many women, boy, they can get dolled up and and sure, praise the Lord for makeup. (laughs) I mean, uh, some people, I know some people think it's a sin, (laughs) To wear makeup I mean there's some there's some denominations that say it's a sin to wear makeup. they do you know Pentecostal and so on and so forth, but you know it may be a sin not to wear makeup you know so and uh but just you know make yourself attractive now, you can go the other extreme, yeah, move on no, I'm not going to move on, you can go to the other extreme. And wearing, of course, too much. I love the way my wife, when my wife was first teaching Taylor to put on makeup, which she don't really care about wearing makeup. That's just the way Taylor's wired, and which y'all know her. And, uh, but anyway, and she said and made this statement. Of course, I'd never thought of it as a guy. I mean, never been around this thinking. Said, well, the right amount of makeup is when you put on makeup and you can't tell that you have any on. And I said, well, that's a good thought. You know, it just all looks natural, da-da-da-da-da. But the point of this is, is she's trying to win him with the outward appearance. Do you see it there? She's trying to win him with the outward. Let it be of what? But let it be, verse 4, what's on the inside. The hidden man, it means person, of the heart in that which is not corruptible, "...even the ornament of a what meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great price. For after this manner, or this example, the, women, the holy women in the Old Testament, who trusted in God, adorned themselves, being in subjection to their own husbands, even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, following his leadership, whose daughters you are, as long as you do well." And are not afraid with any amazement. And then finally he wraps it up Peter. Likewise you husbands. I'm not letting you off the hook. Dwell with them according to knowledge. Giving honor unto the wife as the weaker vessel. There's no, no place in the world for a man to abuse a wife. Period. Can I get an amen? There's no place in the world. And some men will abuse women, I've seen it, I've seen it in my own family, emotionally and mentally, may not lay a hand on her, but can tear her down just as much with words and accusations and so on and so forth. And, uh, but that's, it says there, God made them different. The Bible says that. God made them different. They're not us. They don't have the physical and ability to, I mean, they, they're not wired like us, they're wired different. And it says what? To dwell with them according to knowledge. So it's a choice to fall in love all over again. Ephesians 5, 25 and 33, just real quickly. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Verse 33, nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife, even as himself and the wife see that she reverence her husband. In other words, support him, honor him, especially as he is following the Lord. Now, obviously, if a husband is making ungodly decisions, decisions that are going against God's Word, well, then a Christian wife would just try to be as best example she could, praying and, and, and for her husband that God would intervene and uh, as best she can. And, of course, there's a bunch more that we could say about that. The Bible also has a bunch of love stories. Let's, let's talk about them real quick here. And there's Adam and Eve really is the first love story. Head to Genesis chapter 2. Let's just go on this little journey looking at biblical love stories. And, of course, the title of this message, Valentine's from a Biblical Perspective. And Genesis chapter 2 in verse 18 the word of god says and the lord god <clears throat> said it is not good that the man should be alone for i will make i will make a help for him and it says a lot of people say well a woman is a help meet and you know you kind of really were making it one word it's not a help meet making a help meet means fitting or applicable to him so really god made a help for a man so he said, some woman said, well, because he saw that man was going to need a lot of help, so he made a woman. Well, that's probably true. Verse 19, out of the ground the Lord had formed every beast of the field, every fowl, and Adam named them all, and it's pretty cool. And uh, verse 20, he gave names to all the uh, cattle and all those, but he said, for Adam there was not found a help meet or fitting for him. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, first anesthesia in the Bible, right there. And, uh, and he slept, and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh thereof. And uh, and he and out of that rib God took that and made a woman. Now some have erroneously concluded that uh, that men men are missing one rib on one side, and that proves that God did that. But no, guess what? I mean, it's just like any surgery. Uh, they, they, he took a rib out and, uh, every man after that still had the same number of ribs just all the way back to Adam. So we still have the same number of ribs that a woman has and so on and so forth. But, uh, or that men have always had anyway. And, uh, but he just did surgery. That's all he did. And he took his DNA and, uh, formed that woman. He didn't, he had already formed and breathed into man the breath of life. And now it says, and Adam says, This is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh, and she shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. By the way, this is the first marriage ceremony. And they were both naked, the man and the wife, and were not ashamed. And so, and, and without having any sin in between them, uh Adam after God got through, I imagine this, Adam said, wow, God, you did good. You did good, you know. And Eve said, yeah, God did pretty good. He made you. Imagine that. Think about this. Am I not, am I not correct? And I believe I am. You had the first perfect. Right then, there was no sin, right? So you had a perfect man, a perfect woman. Imagine that. Imagine your idea. Women, think of the perfect man. You know is Karen thinking of me, probably not, <laughs> and uh so you know, and guys think in your brain the perfect woman, the perfect woman, but guess what that's what Adam and Eve were that's what they were. there was no sin right then, and they looked at each other, there was no shame, and they were looking they were standing there, yes, in their birthday suits, and uh by the way, we need to speaking of that need to have a lock on that baptistry door right over there and bring that up in business meeting. And uh, we'll remember to do that. And uh, But they were looking at each other, and there was no shame in between them. There weren't. They just uh, there, and they were saying, It's great. And guess what? God was pleased, and Adam and Eve were pleased. And it's a great love story. Of course, they had friction later on, didn't they? And sin did enter the picture from an outside influence. A lot of times, you'll have outside influences on your marriage. And on your home, and folks, men, guard your home. What comes into your home is your business to guard. And ladies, don't let your guard down because Satan will try to distract you into making wrong choices. The next one that I, and there's a lot more in the Bible we could uh, latch on to, Genesis chapter 29, the great story about Jacob and Rachel. Pretty neat. Just gonna read two verses real quick. Genesis 29, verse 11 and 20. I love this. Whenever they first got together, Jacob, it says, uh, and back then they, uh, they picked the spouse for the other one, for the man. And uh, it's kind of a neat, uh, deal. It's kind of a deal we'd call today. We'd liken it into courtship. And it'd be similar to, uh, instead of dating, you don't date. It's a courtship. And uh that's a whole other subject the neat subject and I love it. And uh matter of fact, I remember when Allison was living with us for y'all who don't know Allison lived with us for 2 years and she was a troubled teen and we were good friends with the mom and we took her into our home and uh it was 14 to 16 years old, taught her how to drive, she got her Arkansas driver's license and we tried to mentor her and uh but nevertheless, uh Allison was wanting to see somebody from Hamburg. And uh, I said, that's fine. Tell him to come over. No, he was wanting to pick me up. I said, no, he's not taking you anywhere until they spend at least 40 hours with me. <laughs> and uh, on the couch, it doesn't matter, helping me repair something around the house. And she just couldn't believe I would set that high of a standard. Of course, when Taylor and Sean came along, got together, I'd already spent that much time with him teaching him in the classroom. And uh, giving him the grades he deserved. By the way, if he listens to this recording, I'm telling you now, Sean. All right. And in uh, the Lord worked it out. All right. And by the way, if you want to share this message with somebody, remember it's on iTunes. Okay. And uh, you can get a copy of it thanks to the hard work of Brother Kenneth. But looking at this, it says in verse 11, after this, or right at the beginning or into this courtship, Jacob kissed Rachel and lifted up his voice and wept. Now, I have a note in my Bible, was she a bad kisser? You know, I wondered that whenever I first read that back when I was still a teenager, I read that I said, wow, he kissed her. Man, it must have been romantic. Then it says he wept, okay? Was he a bad kisser? It was, obviously, tears of joy. Now, we know that in the custom, whenever he went back, To get her, the custom of the land was you had to, the dowry part was you had to serve the father in law for so long. And of course, the verse there that goes with that in verse 20 says, And Jacob served seven years for Rachel, and they seemed unto him, You think my 40 hours is tough? You think my, thank you, you think my 40 hours is tough? Look at this, seven years. Oh, yeah, they got to spend seven years. Working around the house, fixing stuff for me. Thank you, son. You know, think of that my 40 hours is minuscule. By the way, he ended up serving how many? 14 hours. I mean, 14 years. We know the story uh, that happened to him. All right, and then moving. On. It's a great story, a great love story. Think about that. And how many of you, if you had walked up to your future father-in-law and asked your what now wife's hand in marriage, and you asked the father-in-law. Uh, I would like to have your permission to marry your daughter. And they said, uh, fix stuff around my house for seven years. And you'd say, see you later. <laughs> you know, but they, it says the love that he had for her made those seven years fly by. Imagine that engagement right there. Now head to the book of Ruth, chapter one. That's, uh, son, you better bring that to me. I lost my voice yelling at you last night at the ball game. Yelling for him. He did real good. Real good at the ball game. Book of Ruth. Another love story real quick. <clears throat> and Ruth chapter 1 and verse 16 and 17. Of course, this was included in our wedding. Ruth chapter 1 verse 16 and 17. Some pe- just a neat story. But this love story, remember how I told you, y'all, people in here who may be a widow or widower, this was two widows looking at each other, and it's a love story of biblical proportions. And it was, it was if you look here, it was Ruth telling her mother-in-law, Naomi, Naomi, I believe in you, I love you, and I don't want to go back to Moab, my home, anymore. And Ruth said, Naomi, I love you. Well, it worked out that Ruth's love for her mother-in-law, they had both lost their husbands, worked out to a godly plan, a neat plan. But this is neat. Y'all look, this is really where we, this is uh, Ruth's testimony, by the way. This is Ruth telling that she saved. This is Ruth telling that I believe in your God, Naomi. I believe in your God and I'm saved. I'm a born again believer. Notice what it says in uh, verse 16. Uh, And Ruth said, entreat me not to leave thee or to return from following after thee. Wherever you go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people and thy God my God. And where thou diest, will I die. Folks, that's what husbands and wives need to say to each other and say, you know what, I don't care if you're single t- this morning. I don't care if you're married, single, been married one year or a hundred years. That's what you need to say. Where you go, I'll go. Where you lodge, I'll lodge. And where you die, I'll die. I'll give my life for you. And that's what it says in verse 17. And then if you skip on this love story, and uh, Ruth, and I'm just quickly, let's fly through it. They met in Ruth 2, 5 through 6. It says, "Then Boaz said unto his servants, that was all out there in his field. It would be kind of like Jack Shell's field over here. And the owner said, hey, if you look right there, and um, verse 5, he said, who's this damsel? Basically saying, do you see that good looking girl? Who in the world is she? Man, she is great looking what in the world? Where did she come from? I've never seen her before. And a love story is about to begin. And they meet and they say, hey, this is uh, Ruth. And she's a Moabitish damsel that came with Naomi, da 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 Getting ready for a date, Ruth 3-3. Three, three. And Naomi tells her daughter-in-law, okay, get go in there and take a shower Probably wasn't a shower. It's probably a dip and pour. If you've ever experienced one of them, and uh, wash yourself and put on your good clothes, uh, put on your perfume, get down to the floor, threshing floor. Make not thyself known unto the man until he is done eating and drinking. And so they get ready for the date. Whenever they would officially, and actually, if you look at a story and beginning in verse 8 to 11, she asked him, wait a second, she asked him, yeah, she asked him to be, and of course this story, there's a lot of Jewish customs, but let's just sum it up for short. she asked him to be the near kins to be the kinsman redeemer. It's a neat story, It's a love story. Verse 8-11, and it came to pass at midnight he woke up because what she did, she laid down at his feet and waited. Waited for the right time. And folks, isn't God's timing always the best timing? In verse 9, he said, remember it's dark, they didn't have flashlights. In verse 9, he said, uh, who, who are you? And she said, I'm Ruth. He says, "Take your, would you take your skirt, your blanket, so to speak, and spread it over thy handmaid. For thou art a near kinsman. Well, he knew it already. And he said, uh, yeah, blessed be thou of the Lord, my daughter. For thou hast showed me more kindness in the latter end than at the beginning. Inasmuch as thou followest not young men, neither poor or rich. And then finally, uh, 4.13, they get married. And it says in verse 13, so Boaz took Ruth and, his, uh, and she was his wife. And when he went in to her, the Lord gave her conception, and she bare a son. Praise the Lord. They're married, and they're expecting a child. Moving on quickly. Uh, Hosea and Gomer is a neat story as a prophet, and uh, that God uh, told to go marry, alright, a prostitute, alright, which sounds kind of strange that, that God would do that. And, uh, but just looking at that story and looking at how what God would do, and here's the thing is is that in that story, in the story of Hosea and Gomer is that they they get married, they get married, okay? they get married, and then she, and I'll just because run out of time, I just want to hurry up. It's a neat story. you can look up the scriptures. <clears throat> they get married. And then she runs off and leaves them basically, and uh, she goes back to some other lovers. That whether she knew them or not doesn't matter. And the whole thing, the the allegory here, the picture here is that God loves Israel, and it says that Israel played the harlot, and God wanted to show that there. And then you know what it says? Did you know this? Israel went and served other gods. Said I'm. I'm he said I'm married to you, but I. Why are you leaving me? And they were Israel was unfaithful to God, and so uh, was Gomer to his his her husband. But nevertheless, here's the cool part of the story, and I have it kind of marked in there for you. And that is, she ended up in slavery. She actually put herself in slavery. And aren't we whenever we leave God, you know who we're a slave to? We're a slave to sin. Yeah, we're a slave to sin. And guess who went and got her? God said, go get her back again. And that's the way God's going to be for us. If you leave God, you know what? What's this whole sermon about? About love. Even if somebody goes against you, you say, I love you anyway. It's kind of like that uh, neat song by Sidewalk Prophets, He loved me anyway. He loved me anyway. Even though you've been, maybe have in your life been unfaithful to God, He loves you anyway. Maybe you're not serving Him like you should, but He loves you anyway. The neat story, and again, I won't turn over there and take the time, just really neat Mary and Joseph. (laughs) Mary and Joseph. When Joseph found out that Mary was pregnant, first thing that came to his mind, the story is very vividly told in Matthew chapter 1. He says, oh, no, I'm going to have to put her away. But I I love her so much that I don't want her to to be executed because that was the price for adultery back then, even through the biblical days. But he said this in Matthew 1. He said that I may put her away privately. Then God sent a messenger and said, listen, she's not been unfaithful to you. That which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And you know what the neat love story is, is that Joseph said, I'm willing to be the stepdad. I'm willing to be the stepdad. And get this, it says he knew her not till she had brought forth her son. He said, I'll respect her as a virgin woman. And I will, even though she's in the time process brought, she was betrothed. And there was a time period there that it crossed into the the wife part. But he said, you know what? I know her not. Until she brought forth that son. That's love. To say I'll, I'll step back. In order that God's will may be done. And then of course the greatest love story. Ever told. The Bible, again you think the Bible's got love stories in it. Yes it does. And that's God for us. For God so loved the world. That he gave. His only. Now, the King James says, only begotten. You know what that means? It's kind of a noun. In other versions, it has been changed. Sometimes it says, uh, like other versions may say, one and only. One and only. But I really like that old word, begotten, because it's it's a neat word. A lot of people don't realize exactly what it means. But only begotten means one and only, and there won't be another one. One of a kind. Very special. When it says only begotten, it means this is the original, and there won't be another original. There's only going to be one. It's a pretty deep word. It's a kind of a neat word. And I know one and only kind of carries a little bit of that, but begotten means one and only, and there's only going to be one for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life that's God's love for you let me ask you this if you have a hard time loving others is it because maybe does God's love reside here in your heart folks you have to invite him in you just you can't say i believe in him if you just say you believe in him it's like saying i believe in George Washington Or Julius Caesar. I believe in. But you need to say. Lord Jesus. In any way you want. Form or fashion. Any words you want to use. You ask him to come into your life. Into your heart. And take. Just take it. Take it Lord. I'm a sinner. I've messed up. I need you to come save me. Ever how you want to say it to him. And God's love will come into your life. And change your life forever. As we prepare for a hymn of invitation. Would you bow with me for a word of prayer, Father? I thank you for this time here this morning to talk about the great subject of love. And on this Valentine's Day, even though it's really just a a day that the world has taken just to maybe make money from flowers and candy. But dear Lord, that we would really know what real love is all about. That it wouldn't be a superficial thing, it wouldn't be a feeling, it wouldn't be an emotion, but it would be a choice, a choice that we would give ourselves sacrificially to you and to our family, to our spouse if we're married, that we would be willing to give up our own desire to give our lives away. Father, help us to love deeply and honestly. And true love only comes from You, dear Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.